0: Welcome to Inner Force. Your host is Angela King. Inner Force is all about using the tools within you to be a better leader. If you are looking to build a better business, connect more effectively with others, and become the leader you've always wanted to be, it's time to unleash your own inner force. Now, here is Angela King.
1: Welcome. I'm Angela King, and this is Inner Force. Today, we're talking about the power of our thoughts. We'll discuss how paying attention to our thoughts and the nature of our inner dialogue affects the results we get in our lives and our work. Cultivating the power that we have to shift our inner dialogue can fuel our transformation and our energy. We'll get tactical about what helps us connect to our inner force instead of our inner critic. Sarta Chavla will join us and bring her expertise on this topic. She has dedicated the last 30 years towards human development by training hundreds of integral coaches, as well as coaching individuals and executives to bring about effective and enduring transformation. As we learn to pay attention to our habitual thought patterns, we can shift our inner dialogue and in doing so, we can create more freedom for ourselves in our relationship with ourselves, in our relationships with others, in our work, and in our lives. This is what being connected to our inner force is all about. So how do we define our inner force? We define it as our deepest, most authentic self and the source of our vitality. Our inner force houses our deepest truths, our most tightly held values, and our intuition. And it's already within each of us. The mission of this Inner Force show is to help create a set of practices to use in the midst of our busy lives that will do three things. First, help us connect to ourselves and to our inner force. Two, help us to have a regenerative impact on the state of our inner world. And last, to provide fuel for us to bring our contribution out into the world. Now, accessing our inner force requires development of a skill that we may or may not have, the skill of self-attunement, which we define as the physiological and emotional sensing of one's own current experience, rhythm, mood, and needs. Self-attunement will be a skill important to draw on this week. We'll start to draw a distinction between attuning to ourself the U with the capital Y, as Oprah says, versus the U with a small Y, which is the personality that we show the world. And our inner dialogue, before we make it conscious, can be very much tied to our personality. And that's what we're going to explore. We'll do some hiking within our in- internal terrain as we get to know the nature of our thoughts, and specifically, we'll learn about the inner critic. Now, last week, we talked about the tool of mindfulness, and how, as we start to practice mindfulness, we begin to cultivate the observer, which is an important piece in leading up to this week's topic. So as a quick recap, John Kabat-Zinn, one of the world's leaders in the mindfulness space, defines mindfulness as, quote, paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, non-judgmentally. And the practice that we recommended taking up last week was to take an activity that you already do every day and to create an intention to use the activity as a part of a mindfulness practice. And this week, we'll build on this practice. In simple mindfulness practice, we're literally training our brain to return our attention to what we are doing when we are doing it. And in this process, we will naturally learn a great deal about our thought patterns, Once we start paying attention in this particular way, we're cultivating what we call the observer. We begin to know that we are not our thoughts, that we are the person observing our thoughts. And so the question for today is, what is the nature of our thoughts? I'd like to read and share a passage from Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul, which is an amazing resource on this topic. He says, You might actually say that you have a roommate. If you would like to meet your roommate, just try and sit inside yourself while in complete solitude and silence. You have the right. It's your inner domain. But instead of finding silence, you're going to listen to incessant chatter. Why am I doing this? I have more important things to do. This is a waste of time. There's nobody in here but me. What is this all about? Right on cue. There's your roommate. You may have a clear intention to be quiet inside, but your roommate won't cooperate. And it's not just when you try to be quiet. It has something to say about everything you look at. I like it. I don't like it. This is good. That's bad. It just talks and talks. You don't generally notice because you don't step back from it. You're so close that you don't realize that you're actually hypnotized into listening to it. Basically, you're not alone in there. There are two distinct aspects of your inner being. The first is you, the awareness, the witness and center of your willful intentions. And the other is that which you watch. The problem is the part that you watch never shuts up. If you could get rid of that part, even for a moment, the peace and serenity would be the nicest vacation you've ever had. So as we begin to observe our thoughts, We often realize that our thoughts are actually also incredibly repetitive. I wonder if you've ever noticed that. Or have you ever asked yourself the question, am I ruminating about this? Am I solving the problem several different ways or going over the same incident several times in my head, going over what I said or over what I did over and over again, or maybe worrying about the same thing over and over again? So let's take an example about ruminating dialogue. Let's say you have a flight to catch tomorrow. You know you're flying, but you're so busy that you haven't had the time to check the details of the time of the flight. This used to happen to me all the time when I worked at Apple. Maybe you're worrying about how you'll get everything done and still make the flight. Again, that used to happen to me all the time. Or maybe you don't even know how you're getting there. You have to work out the logistics around the transportation And instead of taking the few minutes to make the plan, you spend time ruminating about making the plan or worrying about it. I should do it this way or I shouldn't do it that way, et cetera. And while, yes, of course, we need to check and know what time the flight is and we need to make a plan about how we're going to get what we have committed to done before we leave, and we need to know how we're dealing with our transportation logistics. This is all true and super important. But once we've taken the all-important step to make the plan, Sometimes we still find ourselves going over and over it 17 times, ruminating about it. And we don't have to do this. We can begin to notice that I'm going over and over this in my mind. And we can ask ourselves, is that necessary? Or is it useful? Let's take another important example about ruminating that turns into a self-attack. Do you ever have a day where you have an important email to respond to and several other fire drills of various kinds get in the way of responding to that email? During the day, in between your fire drills, you think, gosh, I've got to send that email. And then you wake up at 3 in the morning and remember that you never responded. And maybe you tell yourself that you're irresponsible. Has that ever happened to you? One of the common things that can happen with our thoughts is, yes, there's a sliver of truth. Or something important, for example, planning how you're going to catch that flight or that important email that you have to send. But then what the voice puts on top of it is excessive, either because we obsessively think or worry about if we're going to make that flight, or we actually attack ourselves for not sending the email. When we attack ourselves for being irresponsible, for example, this is an example where the critical nature of our thoughts can become an energy drain. And this self-attack is coming from what is called our inner critic. So what is what is that? Now, first off, I want to say that every person on the planet has it. It's totally normal. We wouldn't be socialized if we didn't have it. The inner critic develops out of the socialization process. When we were little, we began to internalize the voice of our caregivers that told us not to run across the street or put our finger in the light socket. The internalization of that voice helped to keep us safe at that point in our lives. Now, once the socialization process is complete, this structure turns its attention to trying to help us manage all kinds of other choices. From a psychological perspective, the process is called introjection. And in Sartre's class, who we're going to talk to later, thwarting the inner critic that I took a few years ago, she outlined it this way. Quote, interjection is the process by which the functions of an external person are taken over by its mental representation. The person out there is replaced by an imagined person inside. This structure is made up of the internalized good or bad mother or father or caregiver. We no longer need our parents or caregivers. They actually live inside of us, even if they're dead. And it's important to note that the development of the inner critic is essential in our development. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And our caregivers or teachers or coaches, we're actually doing their job by helping us learn how to keep our safe self safe in the world. The inner critic's commentary often takes the forms of shoulds and should nots. Now, it's also important to bring in the distinction of our conscience, which is centered on what is ethical Versus the inner critic that's yapping at us about something that we should or shouldn't do and attacking us about it. The inner critic tends to push us in all kinds of ways that are unnecessary. It's actually running the show, it's making decisions about what we eat, about what we create in the world, about what we wear, about how much money we spend or don't spend. And for many of us, the inner critic is running our life, even now as adults. Until we decide that it's not going to anymore. One of the inquiries that makes the most difference with my clients is when they start to understand the nature of their thoughts and disconnect from their inner critic. It usually goes something like this First, they have a voice in their head that's constantly talking at them. Second, they notice that the nature of this voice in their head is incredibly repetitive and generally has a negative commentary full of judgment judgment of self and of others. This awareness typically arises out of developing a basic mindfulness practice. Third, they begin to recognize that they are not the voice. Fourth, they begin to separate from the voice and develop a tool to create this separation, which we'll talk about later. And fifth, from the point of separation, they begin to be able to make choices out of their own wishes versus being beholden to what the inner critic says they should or shouldn't do. For most of us, the inner critic is in the driver's seat with us, and it's actually the one doing the driving all day long and never takes a break. The work is about getting clear about the presence of the inner critic and, as one of my wise teachers says, sliding the critic right on over into the passenger seat. The question becomes, what does your inner critic sound like? We need to take a quick break And we'll be back to hear more about the inner critic and what we can do about separating ourselves from it so that we're in the driver's seat. I'm Angela King, and this is Inner Force. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Inner Force is brought to you by New Ventures West. Pioneers of the renowned integral coaching method, New Ventures West has been offering transformative training programs for three decades. Their world-class faculty is known for developing masterful coaches who are of genuine service to their clients while staying true to themselves. With a focus on personal transformation and practical wisdom, leaders from all over the world have learned to cultivate greater capacity and fulfillment in their lives and to make a more meaningful contribution to those around them. Learn how integral coaching is applied in business leadership through masterful conversations, a three-day workshop for professionals offered in San Francisco, the Washington, D.C. area, and other cities worldwide. Visit NewVenturesWest.com slash Interforce to explore what is possible. That's NewVenturesWest.com slash Interforce. New Ventures West, bring your whole self to life.
1: Do you sometimes wish you had an advisory board to help you reflect on your career performance and become a better professional? Now you have that advisory board. Tune in for The Well-Heeled Professional with host Marta Alfonso. Each week, we speak with successful professionals that share their hands-on, real-world knowledge and reflections on critical elements of a successful career. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Inner Force with Angela King. We'd love to hear your questions and comments on today's show. Please send your questions and comments by email to info at fuelinnerforce.com. Now, back to Inner Force. Welcome. Welcome back. I'm Angela
1: King, and this is Inner Force. We're talking about the power of our thoughts, and we're digging into our inner critic. Carl Jung says, One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. As we know, there's a beautiful light inside of each of us. The inner critic gets in the way of our light shining through. This structure actually obstructs the light. And part of the work of this inner force process is pulling away the layers that are obstructing the light. The shoulds from our inner critic, the pressures from society that arise in all kinds of different forms and impact us. All of those layers and layers, this work is about peeling them back and letting the the light shine through. And the challenge is if we don't peel away these layers, then we can actually become disconnected from our own light inside ourselves. And in this disconnection, we can get really lost, confused, and actually suffer immensely. I know that suffering in myself, and I see it all the time in clients. And there is a deep yearning for the light to shine through. We know it's there, but we may have gone away from it. When we are connected to what other people want, or what, when we are connected to someone else's beliefs instead of to our own, when we're more connected to something outside ourselves than to our inner core, this is where the suffering can be. What we want to do is start here to start with ourselves, to build from the inside out and make our choices from here, and to follow our light. It isn't about anybody else. It's about us and being connected to myself instead of my inner critic. And so as we step into this work, we're going to investigate this voice and offer an invitation that we take on a stance of curiosity to look at our lives and our choices and this voice that we hear in our head with curiosity. From a curious place, we can create more space, and then more is possible. We can literally build the muscle of connecting to ourselves instead of the inner critic by simply becoming present to it and getting curious about it. Sarta Chabla, as I mentioned, will be here later, and I took her thwarting the inner critic class many years ago now. And in that class, she had us make a list of recurring attacks that we hear from our inner critic. I'd like to share my list with you to help bring this to light. Quote, you should be staying with the baby versus indulging yourself in a class. You're not a good mom. You should be working out more. You're not toned enough. It's disgusting. You shouldn't eat that. It'll make you fat. You're not good enough. Your work hasn't been important enough. You've not made a enough of a difference in people's lives. You don't have anything interesting to say. You can't do that. Someone's already doing it more effectively than you ever could. You haven't learned enough about that. You're not an expert, so why pursue it? Wow. Going back and reading that list is tough. There's some seriously negative inner dialogue that was creating huge suffering for me and getting in my way. And just for a downright mean, actually, It's as if I was punching myself from the inside. That is what the inner critic can feel like. That is how it obstructs our light. Now, I've been working hard on my inner critic for many years now. And of course, it's still alive and well. But generally, most of the time, I have much more space from it. I wouldn't have been even able to create this inner four process back then. And a a little later in the show, I'll talk about how it's showing up for me now and how I'm dealing with it. So what can shift by stepping into this process? Let's say your inner critic is saying things like, this presentation has to be perfect, or you're not accomplishing enough today. And then the inner critic brings in that toxic character attack. For example, you're lazy, or the other one from earlier, you're irresponsible. If you're taking orders from your critic You might tie yourself to your desk or not make any time for anything that you need to do to take care of yourself. If you can identify those thoughts as simply chatter from your inner critic versus the truth, then you can actually get some space from them. You can begin to see more clearly the truth of what you need to get done versus the unnecessary extra that the inner critic is chattering on about or beating you up over. If you have a little bit more space from the inner critic, you can make choices aligned with what you want versus listening to that negative chatter and the attacks. For example, this might mean that you'll be more likely to take a few minutes away from work and call your family. This might mean that you're more likely to take the much needed time you need to refuel both physically and emotionally and actually eat your lunch because you know that your team will be okay without you for 30 minutes despite what your inner critic might say. And the great news is, you'll actually come back from those things more energized and be able to be more productive. These are choices. Research says that we make somewhere in the neighborhood of 35,000 choices a day. The choices that we make shape our life and the results that we get. And in order to manifest the life that we want, we need to make choices connected with our core and with our deepest values rather than the shoulds from our inner critic. And what we really don't need is the extra layer of the full-scale character attack that says you're an irresponsible person. Over time, these character attacks eat, it, eat away at how we actually see ourselves. So when we disconnect from the inner critic, we have more choice. We actually also have more energy. How? Well, when we identify that we're beating ourselves up with self-critical dialogue and halt that dialogue will free up mental and emotional energy to be used elsewhere. It gives us more capacity to fully step in to the contribution that is only ours to make. We find more openness, more spaciousness, and our infinite wisdom. Now, it's important to note that the critic will never completely go away, but over time, we'll begin to have more freedom to make choices instead of the critic making choices for us. As Michael Singer says, and what's beautiful is the f- true freedom is freedom from yourself, not freedom for yourself. So how do we get to that freedom? How do we start to work with our inner critic? The great news is that it's when we start to bring our awareness to it, we begin to have the opportunity to shift it. Now, the issue is this structure has been in place for, for a really long time, and so it's going to be pretty persistent. Now, we're not trying to get rid of the inner critic altogether. We're simply trying to get some space from it by bringing our awareness so that we are in charge instead of our critic. So how can we do this? The first step is bringing our attention to our thoughts. Using the tool of mindfulness, we can start to begin to hear our thoughts and cultivate the observer. As we said earlier, we begin to know that we're not our thoughts, that we are the person observing our thoughts. The second step is that the observer will be able to hear the negativity and the attack from the inner critic. One clue is when you hear the word should in your thoughts or in your conversations with others. Here, it can be really helpful to start keeping a list like I did of what the inner critic says, and we'll incorporate that into the practice of the week that we talk about later in the show. It can also be really helpful to start to notice where in our physical body we feel something like constriction or feeling clenched when we're under attack from our inner critic. Sometimes we might feel more closed and we might feel that constriction that I mentioned as if we're trying to do everything perfectly. Step three is defend against the attack. Everyone has to find their own way to deal with it you'll need to experiment with what works for you. Some people escort it out of the room. Some people tell it to go you know where. Some people laugh at it. Some people thank it and send it away. Personally, I've learned to say, I've got this. I know you're berating me about the email I need to send, and I've got it. So you'll need to experiment with what works best for you, and only you will know what that is. Now, the other powerful thing we can do once we start to hear our inner critic is differentiate between what the inner critic says to us versus what is the sliver of truth or more balanced thinking. Tara Moore, in her book, Playing Big, which is another lovely resource, draws a super useful set of distinctions between the inner critic and what she calls our realistic thinking. Tara writes, the inner critic thinks and speaks in black and white terms versus our realistic thinking, which is able to deal with complexity and gray areas. The inner critic is repetitive, covering the same topics over and over, and focuses on problems or areas where we are lacking, versus our more realistic thinking, which is forward-moving and seeks solutions. The inner critic speaks in an anxious tone and from a fundamental stance of self-critique. Whereas our realistic thinking speaks in a calmer tone and has a fundamental stance of self-support. Now, it's important to remember that the mission way back when, when the inner critic formed, is to keep us safe. And so when we start to move towards something that the critic senses is risky in any way, the voice of the critic will get louder. And remember those ones on my list that I mentioned earlier. You don't have anything interesting to say. You can't do that. Someone's already doing it more effectively than you ever could. And you haven't learned enough about that. You're not an expert, so why pursue it? Those inner critic attacks. And that happened many years ago. So as I've created this inner force process and begun to put it out in the world, my inner critic has been screaming with what feels like a megaphone at me. And so I really had to sort of... Hone and double down on using these practices because it's impossible, of course, to be creative when the voice in your head is screaming at you. You don't have anything interesting to say. So, as much of the work that I've done with the inner critic, I've really had to turn up the volume on my inner voice and I've created a couple of new tactics that I'm using which is that I've set an alarm on my phone as a reminder using the mind jogger app actually that sends me a text message once an hour while I'm working that repeats my um, intervention with my inner critic, the mantra I've, of I've got this. And I can't tell you how helpful this has been to me during this process. The other one is I've created a simple visualization of imagining my inner critic as a cloak that's wrapped around me, and I take it off and leave it in a pretty basket outside my office. Defending ourselves against our inner critic is hard work. However, the payoff in terms of what you can accomplish and how you'll feel along the way is life-giving. Remember that the critic is persistent, so you'll have to practice, experiment, and persevere. And I hope you will persevere. The world needs your contribution and as much of yourself as you can bring. We need to take a quick break and we'll be back for our New Ventures West segment in which we'll speak to Sarta Chabla, who has extensive experience on this topic. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Inner Force is brought to you by New Ventures West. Pioneers of the renowned integral coaching method, New Ventures West has been offering transformative training programs for three decades. Their world-class faculty is known for developing masterful coaches who are of genuine service to their clients while staying true to themselves. With a focus on personal transformation and practical wisdom, leaders from all over the world have learned to cultivate greater capacity and fulfillment in their lives and to make a more meaningful contribution to those around them. Learn how integral coaching is applied in business leadership through masterful conversations. A three-day workshop for professionals offered in San Francisco, the Washington, D.C. area, and other cities worldwide. Visit newventureswest.com innerforce to explore what is possible. That's newventureswest.com innerforce. New Ventures West. Bring your whole self to life. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Interforce with Angela King. We'd love to hear your questions and comments on today's show. Please send your questions and comments by email to info at FuelInnerForce.com. Now, back to InnerForce. Welcome back. I'm Angela King, and
1: this is Interforce. Today, in our New Ventures West segment, we are super fortunate to have Sarta Chavla joining us. She has dedicated the last 30 years towards human development by training hundreds of integral coaches, as well as coaching individuals and executives to bring about effective and enduring transformation. Sarta, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: You're welcome.
1: And as you know, we are investigating the topic of our inner critic, which you teach about all the time. And I thought we could start our conversation with getting your take on how we can separate our inner voice from the voice of the critic.
2: Yeah, I love the way that you refer to the inner roommate. That uh, really (laughs) gave me a chuckle. (laughs) So, first of all, you know, sometimes when uh, we we even say to people, your inner voice, uh, often people don't have a sense of what that is, and it's... The voice that says, just listen in right now. Tune into what's going on inside of you. And it might even be the voice that is saying, what voice? Right. So there's a, a constant commentary that's coming in the background. And it has something to say about what's going on all the time. Yes. And the The difference and distinction for me is that the voice is like a witness. It's both objective and kind. But the inner critic is when that voice has a punitive feel to it. And it criticizes mercilessly.
1: Yeah, I I really like that distinction of kind. Versus mm-hmm. the critical.
2: Yeah, in your list that you gave, you were speaking to, you know, attacking um, ourselves for being irresponsible. Yeah. Which is different from saying, oh, I forgot to take the uh, trash out today. like, right. Oh my God, I didn't do that.
1: Right. Yeah, it has a fundamentally different nature.
2: And fundamentally different feel to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It
2: it has an eye on our deficiencies. Um, It's evaluative, judgmental, and the witness, the inner voice, is objective, Um, It has no judgment. You know, it's like saying, it's interesting that I'm feeling sad, that I felt sad when I saw such and such thing on TV or live, rather than having a punitive addition to it.
1: Yes. Yeah, punitive is such a good word, I feel like, for uh, describing that inner critic. Mm-hmm. And I love what you say here about the ion deficiency mm-hmm. versus our inner voice knows that we're already whole. Yeah. That's a great way of saying it. Right? Just as we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so let's talk, uh, strategies for defending mm-hmm. against the inner critic. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, so, the way I've observed it and seen it in hundreds and hundreds of people, including myself, is that initially we need to learn to defend against it um, using anger, because inside of anger is strength, and so it's if you think about the inner critic as energy, energy that's turned inward against ourselves. We want to match or exceed that energy so that if it's coming in with 10 volts of energy, we want at least 11. And that can take the form of um, yelling at it. Um, Another one that I love as I learned this uh, not too long ago is like giving it the eye, as though so, especially if you can't yell when you're in public, but you can um, give a look as though your eye had a dagger in it,
1: So like could right. kill. Yeah. Yes,
2: yes. And humor works. Um, mm. Sometimes it's just sort of internally smiling at the cricket the cricket. I like to call it cricket sometimes. <laughs> it's just, that's the way the humor comes in, right?
1: That's right. So, that's so good. I love that.
2: <laughs> the inner critic or the inner cricket. Um, and <laughs> you just sort of say, hey, want to dance? Yeah. You're so cute when you get that way.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So those are some of the strategies, but as we um, continue in our development and we learn to really observe it, critics get far more subtle and Mm -hmm. in some ways clever and so what works as it gets more subtle is to observe it Mm -hmm. and observing and noticing it and really what's at work and what's at play here Angela is Heisenberg Principle that something observed changes.
1: Right. Yes. That's such a simple way of saying it. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. And those are some strategies. Yeah. I loved what you said about the inner critic as energy turned inward towards ourselves. hmm And that we have to match it or exceed its energy in order to... Um, have it settle down so we can do what we want to do Mm -hmm. and show up the way that we want to show up. And I'm curious what you would say about, um, you know, this piece that I brought in towards the end around how as we, that the mission of the inner critic is to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. And as we march towards something that the inner critic sees as risky even if we've done a bunch of work there, the volume can get turned up again in a way. Like, you know, I've really felt like my inner critic has gone from being a little bit quieter and things being more spacious to feeling like it's yelling at me with a microphone. Uh, So I'm curious about that piece.
2: Yeah. So two things I'd say there. One is the job of the inner critic is Uh, to maintain status quo. Right. It has kept us safe and change or development. It says, thank you very much. That's unsafe territory. Right. So it's trying to survive um, and it's trying to help us survive and keep us safe. Mm Mm-hmm. And your point about the volume getting louder, the megaphone that comes in, um, because you are developing, we are developing, we're getting more uh, conscious of when it comes up, it has to raise, it's almost like um, being in a fight with it. So it's right. raising its voice as we are getting more skillful. Otherwise, we won't notice it.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes, that's exactly what's been happening. Yeah. Yeah.
2: One other thing I want to add is what it's doing is it's cutting off our passion, um, our vibrancy, our aliveness, our creativity. Yes. And that's its job. And what we are looking for in some ways is liberation and liberation from it.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I Mm -hmm. thank you so much for bringing that in because that is at the root, this inner force process is Mm -hmm. designed to help people bring more of themselves to the world. Because in this moment in time, we need everybody to step in and step up and rise and make whatever contribution they can make Mm -hmm. and we can't it's impossible to step in and make a contribution or bring your creativity about how to solve things if your inner critic is wrapped around your neck
2: you're right and another part that sometimes we forget Angela is that this inner critic can also become the outer critic. And especially in these times that you're pointing to, we can amplify our judgment of others as well as ourselves. And we have to be careful about that.
1: That's right. That's right. Yes, it actually can be that inner critic can be contributing to the challenges that we have right now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, in our relationships and in all kinds of ways.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, one way to think about it and what you're saying that is arising for me is that the voice of judgment, whether it's the inner critic or the outer critic, that's so different from an objective witness, it's, it's not able necessarily to pay attention to what is. Um, objectively true you know what is the uh, uh, it doesn't love truth it loves judgment
1: yes yes that's such an important distinction thank you for that Mm mm-hmm So, unfortunately, we have got to take a break, so we'll do that, Uh and luckily we get to come back. We'll have a few more minutes uh, to Uh talk with Sarta, and then we'll also talk about the practice of the week and taking this out into our work and to our lives. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be right back.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Inner Force is brought to you by New Ventures West. Pioneers of the renowned integral coaching method, New Ventures West has been offering transformative training programs for three decades. Their world-class faculty is known for developing masterful coaches who are of genuine service to their clients while staying true to themselves. With a focus on personal transformation and practical wisdom, leaders from all over the world have learned to cultivate greater capacity and fulfillment in their lives and to make a more meaningful contribution to those around them. Learn how integral coaching is applied in business leadership through masterful conversations, a three-day workshop for professionals offered in San Francisco, the Washington, D.C. area, and other cities worldwide. Visit NewVenturesWest.com slash InnerForce to explore what is possible. That's NewVenturesWest.com slash InnerForce. New Ventures West. Bring your whole self to life. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. This is Inner Force with Angela King. We'd love to hear your questions and comments on today's show. Please send your questions and comments by email to info at fuelinterforce.com. Now, back to Inner Force.
1: Welcome back. I'm Angela King, and this is Inner Force. Today in our new Ventures West segment, we're super fortunate to have Sarta Chavla with us. We'll spend a few more minutes with Sarta and then we'll introduce our practice of the week. So Sarta, in our few remaining minutes here, I'm wondering if you can get, we could get your take on the question that I often get from clients, which is, will I still be able to get anything done? My inner critic is what drives me to get things done or it keeps me in line or that kind of logic. How do we have, how do we talk to people about working with that?
2: Yeah. Well, in my experience, and this question comes up a lot, I was actually teaching this class at the Draper Lab, which has all sorts of scientists and uh, people that design things that go up in space with NASA. So they asked that question. If I don't have something driving me, I don't think I'll perform as well. And what I would say is, That the inner critic will drive us to perform, but it won't necessarily support creativity because it's driving us inside of the box, not to think outside of the box. Because creativity is really about experimenting and practicing and, and making mistakes and learning from the mistakes and being creative so that... Something fresh and new is always emergent. Right. And so I would say creativity over um, uh, simply cracking the whip towards excellence that is limited. Right. Another way of saying it is it's more the inner critic has us become more rule based rather than imaginative. Mm-hmm. You know, I just keep following the rules and I'll, I'll keep doing the same thing and I'll do it better. But right. our imagination uh, can't dance with us there.
1: That's right. Yeah, there's no room for innovation. Right.
2: Or well, there's limited room.
1: Yeah. 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 Limited room. Yeah, it's, it's almost like I was in a conversation with somebody yesterday and um, and the question came up, like, what if we expected that we were going to make mm-hmm. mistakes? Like, what if that was our view of the way we looked at creating mm-hmm. something new, that we expected mistakes? What could be, we be freed up then to do? Well, that's
2: you say that so beautifully or you're, the person you were talking to does because you can think of a mistake as I've done something wrong, or you can conceive of it as a mistake. Right, right. And you know, how many experiments do we have to do before something actually is? It turns out to be beautiful, or efficient, or effective, and. I think, I think when I was doing my organizational learning work in Another Lifetime, um, we used to ask, are you the kind of a boss that your uh, subordinates can bring their
1: mistakes to? Because that's oh. the only way
2: we can learn.
1: Yeah. Wow. wow. I love that. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, I mean, if I'm working for you and all you want is for me to bring me To bring the perfect um, projects, um, everything will be limited. Yes, and I want to say one other thing about, um, you know, this is also sort of how can we benefit. Um, I would love for the listeners also tune into their parenting, because as parents. We are shaping our kids' inner critics.
1: That's right. Yeah.
2: And sometimes I wince. Um, You know, I I get a little inner critic attack when I hear my son um, saying something that I know I, you know, 40 plus years ago inadvertently installed in his psyche.
1: Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for bringing that in and offering that. Unfortunately, we have got to wrap up and Mm -hmm. um, I I know that you have two upcoming opportunities to take the Thwarting the Inner Critic class here in San Francisco in May and October, as well as one of your in-depth programs of Living an Authentic Life, uh, Mm -hmm. which our listeners can go to newventureswest.com to learn more about these. Mm -hmm. So Sarta, thank you so much for joining. It really is an honor to have you with us today.
2: Thanks, Angela, and thank you for the beautiful work that you're doing. Many blessings on your
1: work. Thank you. So it's that time in the show where we introduce the practice of the week. And this week we're taking what we did previously um, last week of the mindfulness activity and adding an observation to that and noticing whether our inner critic is present and asking ourselves, how can we intervene? So, Quickly, I'm going to walk through this. The idea is to do this daily whenever works for you, choosing an existing activity that you already do, like brushing your teeth and wash or washing the dishes. And step one is to begin the activity and bring your focus fully to the act of doing the activity while you're doing it. Your mind will simply wander off into thinking. That's what our minds do. And we'll simply say to ourselves, I'm thinking. And without judgment, bring your focus back to what you're doing. Now, step two is to observe and ask yourself, do I hear a critical voice here? And you can, again, look for clues of lots of shoulds or shouldn'ts, character attacks, that punitive sounding voice that Sarta brought in. Step three is to then make a list and Following the two minutes, just write out really quickly a list of those inner critic attacks that you hear. And it's great if you can keep that list going, maybe even for the whole week or longer, so that you can really get a robust list of what your inner critic is saying to you. Step four is to brainstorm some possible interventions. Create some short phrases that you can experiment with to intervene with your critic. For example, back off or thanks, I've got this. And then step five is to experiment and adjust, trying different intervention phrases or tactics and see what works for you. And the idea is that this takes uh, less than five minutes. We're wanting to bring the three C's that we've talked about previously to support ourselves in this, which are courage to try it in the first place, curiosity to get interested in what's happening in our inner experience, our thoughts and our feelings and compassion to be kind to ourselves, no matter what we find. You can go to fuelinnerforce.com to download the practice of the week, and you can also send us your questions and comments there. We'd really love to hear from you. That concludes today's show. We hope you'll tune in next week when we talk about the power of tracking our internal states. We will explore how we can more precisely track our internal states. We'll learn how tracking what's happening in our physical and emotional body can support us in our work and in our relationships, and we'll learn a specific framework and discuss tactics for doing this more effectively. We'll be joined by Michelle Gale, who was formerly the head of learning and leadership development at Twitter and recently published the book, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose. You can listen next week here on the Voice America Business Channel on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. The most important connection you have is the one that you have with yourself. Connect. Ignite. Rise. I'm Angela King, and this is
0: Force. Thank you for tuning in this week to InnerForce. Be sure to join host Angela King for another program next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Force. Connect. Ignite. WISE